ladies and gentlemen, this is Nick Drozdoff, a.k.a. Studio Man, here with another installment of Duets from the Trenches, Musicians You Should Know. Today my guest is Elena Grijalva, a top-notch bass trombonist, educator, and dare I say activist. We had a wonderful discussion that sure don't like anyone who checks this out. Before we get started, I have some of the usual business to take care of. I'm going to give a shout out to the two companies whose gear I currently endorse. I play Getz and Trumpets, in particular a 1971 Doc Severson model Eterna large bore trumpet, kind of rare, a Getz and Genesis, a Getz and Custom C trumpet, a Getz and Eterna B flat A pickle trumpet, and finally a Getz and Four Valve Eterna flugelhorn. I also play a custom line of wedge trumpet mouthpieces designed by Dave Harrison up in British Columbia, Canada. In fact, I'll be making the trek up to Gabriola, British Columbia at the end of May to work directly with Dave on a new design for some things I'm currently developing. I'm really looking forward to that trip. I'm also getting ready to release a teaser for the first Variable D Project Ensemble's upcoming projects. I just finished recording and mixing a remake of the original 1980 demo tape that got me a lot of work when I was first starting out, including my stint on Maynard Ferguson's band. You can actually find the original on YouTube by going to YouTube and doing a search on Nick Drozdoff, MF Intro plus Besame Mucho. I'll get the word out when I get the new video up. The redo is an overdub project with my playing all of the trumpet and French horn parts, the latter being on flugelhorn. Nick Roach is playing all the trombone parts, Mike Benning is playing bass, and Colin Drawsoff is playing keyboards. All three are part of the Variable D postulate call list. Stay tuned for more info. My guest today is Alana Grijalva, a brilliant bass trombone specialist, though she is capable on all brass instruments. While she hails from Pomona, California, she lived in Wisconsin. She did her undergraduate studies in music, at the wonderful music school of Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, and received her master's in music from the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. She is instrumental in the overall operations of the Chicago Metamorphosis Orchestra Project and Jatage Music. Her recent Chicago performances have been with the Contemporary Music Collective, Noise Bias, and Modern Quintet, Augustine Fick. She is an extremely busy freelance musician in the Chicago area. I had the pleasure of having her on board for my exploratory rehearsal with the Variable T Postulate Ensemble Big Band. She is an excellent musician and the word of her skills is getting around very fast. Before we get to the interview, let's listen to two chamber pieces that feature Alana on bass trombone. First, here is Bridge to Nowhere, a live performance for Small Trombone Ensemble. Thank you. 
Next, here is a lovely duet for bass trombone and cello titled Big Little Bugs.
And now to the interview. All right, as mentioned in the introduction, folks, uh, I'm sitting here with Alana Grijalva. Did I say that right? <laughs> Alana Grijalva, yeah. Grijalva. Okay, thanks, thanks. Um, and just so again, by way of um, you know, clarity here, I've only worked with it the one time at our little rehearsal when I had an exploratory rehearsal, but I was you know seriously impressed, and uh, the recommendations for you were pretty thick. So um, uh, you certainly lived up to it uh, in, in, in every sense of the, of the concept. And um, uh, I'm really thrilled to get a chance to get your point of view about the music business, music business particularly in Chicago, uh, and you know, uh, from the point of view of being, you know, how should we put this, a millennial? Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And a woman in the business, because things are a little different from you know when I first started doing this way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, but anyway, you know, let me kind of get started with the, I have a you know, kind of a general list of questions that I want to go through here. Of course. Uh, when did you decide to make music uh, your life's work? Uh, how did you know this is something you wanted to do? Um, that actually took a little more time than uh, maybe some other musicians. I didn't grow up in a musician family. I'm the first and kind of only musician right now (laughs) that is doing this as a career um so it it was kind of late like after my undergrad and I wanted to do a master's and then um being in a master's program and being very independent and getting small gigs and going to Aspen for a music festival was like wow this could be interesting (laughs) um you know to travel around and um share music with others around the world that'd be really cool and to just meet new people and so I didn't start really trying to make a career out of it until later in life like in my master's program like my undergrad was fun and I knew I wanted to do that uh but I didn't start getting super serious until about my master's program yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, um, uh, when you get into a master's program, you're uh, you're really you're, there's no general education stuff. Now, there's certainly not as much. You're, mm-hmm. you're doing it to make the music happen. Um, okay. Um, now you're not originally from around here. I remember needling you a little bit when you showed up at the rehearsal and you were bundled up like you were going to the North Pole. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, where do you hail from? I'm actually originally from Southern California. Uh, I did all of my adolescence there and then moved to Wisconsin to start studying. So that was a huge culture shock to come to the Midwest (laughs) from L.A. Um, So that was pretty crazy. Um, Yeah, and I've I've been in cold climates since I was 17, so I'm used to it. But still, um, like you said, I bundle up more than others. uh, yeah, it's it's fun being here, and you know, a lot of people are like, "Are you ever gonna come back to, um, you know, SoCal or anything like that?" And you know, my connections are here, and it's like it's a totally different world. And I'm sure we'll get to talk about what the scenes like here, but I don't know what that scenes like over there. I didn't, you know, my career didn't start there, so it'd be interesting to um, try to make a move there maybe later. But first, I gotta handle the scene here in Chicago. I think. You know, it's interesting. I when I first got business, I was considering going to New York. Everybody, you know, mm-hmm. got to go to New York. And this was back in the uh, very late seventies, early eighties, and there was a real healthy recording scene, trade shows, everything around here. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and, and Chicago is a cool town. 
Now, the industry's changed incredibly. Of course. But I still think Chicago is a really cool town. And I think there's a lot of musicians from, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, your generation, who are mm-hmm. making their, their homes here. Um, then uh, making a, a real serious goal of it, which is you know some of the stuff I want to get into. Uh, I have to I have to ask you this: uh, Why bass trombone? Oh, or, or, or trombone in general? I mean, what what about that moved you in particular? Um, that's always the question I get asked. Actually, um, I started playing flute actually, and it was more like in retrospect, you know, as a um tiny little lady you're like oh all the other tiny little ladies are picking flute I'm gonna do that and so I played that for about a year and I wasn't really into it and then um in eighth grade and seventh grade the teacher was like hey like we don't have any flutes because I, obviously I didn't have my own instrument and then we don't have any more I have this baritone do you want to do that I was like sure I don't like this thing anyway so I played baritone and that was okay. Then I went to tuba the next year, and I liked that. And then when I got later in high school, did not like the tuba as much because it, it was mainly marching band. And honestly, I was being a big baby, and I was like, I don't want to carry the Susan around, Susan around all the time. <laughs> and I really wanted to quit, and I was being a huge baby about it. I will say that now. Uh-huh. And um, my music teacher was actually like, Hey, just stick it out. Like we have a bass trombone here. If you want to try it, it's something similar. It's not as heavy blah, 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 yada, yada, here I am today. <laughs> Basically, uh, it kind of just, there was an extra one. I started playing it. Didn't even start on tenor. Um, mm-hmm. I just went straight to bass trombone. And yeah, I really liked it. I liked like the punch that you can get out of it. I like um, that it was not just like three valves. Nothing to say like that I don't like playing tuba. It's just I can do way more things. For me personally, I thought I could, and I can now. Um, And I just carried that through, and then I wanted to go to music school, and yeah, here we are. Then it kind of just developed from there. Well, I think that's really really pretty interesting, very cool. Um, uh, And certainly you can get a lot of wallop out of bass. Oh, yeah. And I, I just think when somebody really masters that, in other words, they specialize in it. I mean, I know a lot of folks who double mm-hmm. tenor and bass trombone, but those who really kind of specialize um, can sort of bring some heat when the, when it sounds really good. <laughs> do you still maintain your valve chops? Oh, I do all the time, um, especially um, teaching, too. I play trumpet um, as well because I have to teach trumpet. Uh. And horn as well. Um, so definitely keep the, the valve stuff up. And that's just very helpful when I have to go back and forth in between um, a tuba or something. And, you, and honestly, I don't own a tuba. So whenever someone asks me to play, there has to be one there. And I just have a mouthpiece. And then I'll, like, shred on um, the little trumpet I have. Like, in my mind, I'm doing bass club stuff. <laughs> it's super goofy, but you got to work with what you got. <laughs> um, yeah, slowly keeping it up, um, teaching kids like that with horn or um, trumpet every day does help as well, like uh, dexterity wise. Is there a, a particular teacher that really touched you? Uh, I'm reading here that you know we were at uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and Lawrence University. Is there a teacher or somebody who really reached out and just kind of moved you and pushed you in a direction uh, on this instrument that you felt really uh, uh, got you on track, so to speak? Um, 
I, I, I guess, um, I, my undergrad, like I said, I didn't get like super serious. I mean, all of my teachers have been super phenomenal and, um, giving me encouragement and just to keep going and, you know, do what I have to do to get that hustle just where I want it to be. Uh Um, but like I said, I didn't get super serious till my master's. So having um, Nick Keelan, he's trombone player, and Marty Erickson, he's too a player um, at Lawrence University at the time, have them truly be like, hey, like if you want this, you got it. Like you just have to like fully harness your potential. Like there's like, a lot of raw stuff here, but it's gonna only be up to you to make it as far as you want. Um, so them to actually say that to my face. Um, you know, you, you need that, um, as you're growing up too, you can't have everything sugar coated. So I always took something like that to heart. It's like, wow, okay. I just have to do it. Especially if you don't see people that look like me in the field, it's hard to be like, Hey, like you can be here. It's fine. You can stay and hold your ground. I think that's, you know, fairly, you know, good experience that you obviously picked up at Lawrence. Um, that's quite a reputable music school. Uh, very, very nice place to be. Um, what do you, you know? What's your, what was your first gig like? You know, your experience breaking into the business after you got out of school. I mean, school is one thing, uh, but right. um, uh, actually working is a, it's a kind of a different environment. Uh, what was the experience making the transition from uh, college academic musician to professional like for you? Um, very slow going and still figuring out, um, cause obviously if there's going to be different personalities in every type of group that you get, like whether it's a, a church gig. Um, so I start v- very beginning, started like slowly church gigs, right. And community orchestras. And actually I was, um, I've been in multiple like punk bands uh, playing bass trombone. So all of those realms, like orchestra. Yeah. I used to play, um, there's a genre called power violence and I used to be in a punk band. Uh, so I'd wow. play the bass part on bass trombone. It was pretty cool. I was also in, in, uh, like a 22 piece um, metal band where we transcribed metal songs and then put them to um, like basically orchestra um, instruments. Um, it was really fun. Um, but obviously that type of group and a church group and orchestra are all very different. So, um, you know, just feeling out um, how you're supposed to to play, you know, um, if you're supposed to be super raw and go for it, or if you're supposed to be like, you know, and classical music, you're going to have different genres that you have to go about. So just, you know, taking, taking your seat and feeling out the either band leader or conductors and uh-huh. just doing what you need to do. And if they ask more, then obviously I'm going to say, hell yeah. <laughs> and then we'll uh-huh. go from there. Um, but it's still very interesting Go, um, you know, moving my way through multiple genres. Like I play in contemporary collectives. I also play in uh, chamber orchestras. Um, and then like my own chamber music is more, you, I don't even know how it's a fusion of stuff. Um, so it's always interesting to go and to into those rehearsals and fill out the vibe and just play. And it's very fun though. Um, the, as far as how did I get my 
career. I, I don't know. I think I'm still working on it. <laughs> on, yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, always working on it. Um, and I'm just, you know, saying yes to everything. Just want to come and have a seat and play and get to know whoever I can and play with whoever I can. When I was first getting into the business, I actually, this is way back in 1980, uh, 1980. That's when I really decided I was going to become a professional, mm-hmm. uh, serious about it. I mean, I've been kind of knocking around playing and some road rap bands, but um, uh, I, I, I knuckled down at that point. And I developed some bizarre marketing things. Well, like, I actually want that bizarre if you were a jingle singer. I mean, mm-hmm. I, put, I, mean, I put together a demo tape. Uh, promo package, and I shopped it around to agents, you know, jingle agencies and things like that. And a lot of people thought I was crazy, but particularly after I got off the road, I was able to develop a lot of work with that. But I feel like that's all different now. I mean, the whole scene is so different from when uh, I got started. How would you uh, suggest to say a young, a younger musician listening to this podcast uh, that they go out? Uh, go about the business of developing work for themselves once they get out of college. I mean, these universities and uh, conservatories are cranking out musicians. Oh yeah, crazy. And so the competition is brisk. How do you how do you work around that? Yeah, I don't know if I can give the best advice, but definitely just showing up, just showing up to shows and making those connections. I know that people already know, like. Um, it's who you know in the biz. Uh-huh. And I know that sounds silly and people don't want to think of it like that. And they don't want to think, well, as long as you're good, right? As long as you're the best player in the room. Yeah, I agree. You have to be the best player in the room to get the spot. But also, if they don't know your name and never heard you play, how do they know you're the best player or not? You know what I'm saying? So you have to go out and you have to go to the gigs that you want and then converse. But I mean, that's easier said than done, of course, um, especially if you're you have other jobs, you know, to keep you afloat. It's hard to get out and make it there. And sometimes you just gotta, um, make your own stuff. I think, um, we were talking about, uh, when we were shooting questions back and forth, you know, um, how do we deal like my generation deal with like the work climate? A lot of it is just starting our own projects and giving Uh ourselves a chance. Cause we, we know each other. We know, um, what we can do. We know we want to expand um, the playing pool and just who's listening to us too, not just who we're playing with, but who our audiences are. And um, a lot of the groups I'm playing with are like a couple years old, honestly, like from one to seven years old. So still really young groups, um, but getting recognition from like the Chicago Tribune and and other stuff like uh, Unsupervised and um, the Zaffa Collective. um, That's one's a chamber group group um that's a it's a conductorless orchestra and the other one is a contemporary group um played in both of them and it's just little groups like that um that we're just finding our own rep have to find our own just you just got to do it on your own I know that sounds hard it is but if you have people willing to throw the idea around and make it come to life, you can do it, you know, and we're all smart. I mean, yeah, those um, music schools are cranking out like hardcore musicians. They're also cranking out hardcore intellectuals uh, as far as like, you know, a lot of us are writing grants. 
you know, we're writing grants, we're starting nonprofits, um, we're like, I'm on an administrative team, another one's on a marketing team, like we all have the brains to do, to do this and start our own group. So I think that's at least where I'm at. And a lot of my um, colleagues, or even just peers are at that we have the tools we can just start doing it for ourselves instead of you know waiting for the next big gig because you know that might never come (laughs) so you just got to go out and grab it i think really interesting thought about uh kind of using you know the whole brain if you will in all of this um and creating your own environment uh i find that really fascinating these days and i've been particularly fascinated in witnessing that you know, my son is from your generation. He's a professional musician here in town. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the um, uh, millennials again. I hate, mm-hmm. I, hate to, I hate to put it in these kind of generational terms, but well, unfortunately, it's out there. So what the heck? Let's work around it. Um, <laughs> but um, watching the uh, you all work, it's just fascinating to see the very thing you just described, creating your own environment and running with it. Um, I suppose you might say, uh, in running my little podcast, I'm bucking you folks for this because I'm looking for ideas. Yeah, uh, of course. And <laughs> but, uh, doing your own hustle, too. Like, this podcast yeah, is great. Exactly. Way to start. In developing this stuff, have there, are there any pitfalls or any problems that you've run into? Anything that you've had to uh, be careful about? Um, for example, I've run into territoriality over the years. Have you run any issues like that where you just sort of feel like, you know, how do you deal with um, uh, something like that nowadays? It's a, again, it's different from what I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't know the specifics of what you're talking about, <laughs> to, to be perfectly frank, of like the territory. I mean, there's always going to be like people when you go to a gig that are like, Hey, I've been in this band. Who are you? You're new. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. (laughs) And that, and that's totally fair. I've been there multiple times. And at that point, it's literally like, you don't want to step on anybody's toes, but at the same time, I'm going to play my game. (laughs) So I'll wait for people to come to me, honestly. And to be perfectly honest, that's happened to me multiple occasions where it's like, I say hi to people and they're like, Oh, hi. Like I, the faces are like, oh, I don't know you, so I'm not going to talk to you. It's like, that's fine. I'm going to sit and play, and then I'll crank out something. And then during rehearsal break, they're like, hey, what's your name? Like, you live here? It's like, yep. Like, just <laughs> don't judge a book by its cover. Just because I'm a brown female doesn't mean I can't play, just like you guys. I know I'm new, um, but you just hear me out. <laughs> It'll all work out uh, for us. That's interesting. And you kind of opened up a uh, line of discussion that uh, sort of like the elephant in the room, so to speak, that I really do want to talk about. And maybe as a, uh, I'm, you know, again, for those people who have listened to the podcast or read my stuff, I'm officially a baby boomer. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember when I thought that was kind of cool. Now it's not cool anymore. <laughs> but, but, you know, hey, it's what it is what it is. And so there's a lot of things that uh, I had to pick up on. So let me kind of circle back here. When I got into the business, again, when I left the road, there were, I only ran into maybe three female professional freelance musicians, commercial musicians, not speaking about orchestras. I was never an orchestral player. Mm-hmm. Although I, I have played with orchestras. Um, and, you know, I you know, ran into Audrey Morrison on trombone um, mm-hmm. and uh, Debbie Katz on 
putting their everything, but mostly berry and piccolo. You can imagine that. And then um, uh, there's another woman in Chicago, uh, Linda Van Dyke, who was uh, specialized in berry sax. Don't really know Linda that well, but I used to, you know, play in an occasional gig mm-hmm. you know, with, with her. And that was it. Three. Uh, I'm running into more and more uh, bands now, particularly if it's a band that happens to be uh, run by a younger band leader. Uh, although there's a few band leaders from my generation who are being thoughtful about this. Uh, they're certainly better than when I was your age. Um, but um, uh, there are more and more women getting into commercial freelance and jazz. Mentioned something a minute ago. You said something and triggers the question, are you still running into issues about sexism in the business or uh, uh, other issues like you mentioned being a brown female? Is that uh, something that is uh, is that still a problem or is your generation, for lack of a better way of putting it once again, better about this than the baby boomers? Um, I think better is probably a good word to describe okay. it. Yeah, we're getting better, but it's still a lack thereof, um, especially like when, like I was talking about before, the player pool is still small. Um, so it's it's all about who you know, like depending on what groups I'm going to play with, um, there's going to be more POCs or less. But for the most part, there's always less POCs, especially in the classical world. And that mainly comes from uh, I mean, and the jazz world too. As f- when I go play uh, a big band gig, I'm the only of or one of three POCs in the room, and definitely the only female POC in the room. Um, so that's it's not shocking anymore, unfortunately. But I would like it to change. But a a part of that is like what we were talking about. Um, you know, schools cranking out all these kids, but you know, all these great players. But a lot of that comes from a certain type of privilege and classism, you know, like I'm teaching at a, a program that is, I mean, I teach private lessons, but for the organization I work for is 95% um, Latin kids. And they get instruments from us that barely work and they just don't have the mindset of that they could actually do this as a career. So what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, all these schools are cranking out great musicians, but they don't come from backgrounds where their parents can understand that they can actually do this for a living because Mm -hmm. POCs are going to come from somewhere. It's like music, like that's not going to make you any money. Like you can't like go to, uh, you know, the factory every day and go crank that out. And so they just don't see it as a reliable, like, why would you get into that? Um, so it's just like constantly molding at least my students to get away from that train of thought, especially like when we take them to CSO or something like that, like you can be here and you deserve to be here no matter what faces you see. And then, you know, me just conquering that now in real time and just knowing that I'm hopefully going to change the faces in the next 20 years and constantly contacting people that I know that look like me. It's like, Hey, do you want to play? I know that you can play and just giving each other a chance because like I mentioned earlier, people barely want to give me a chance. So you just have to be open about who you're working with, whether or not you went to school with them or not, because someone can shred if you, you never know until you actually play with them. Well, yeah, interesting train of thought. And I'd like to think that things 
are going to just have to keep getting better and better. Again, right. from, from my point of view, when, when there were like only three, I'm seeing a lot more. But I have to admit, um, uh, recently there was a thread on a trombone player's Facebook page where he posted his frustration <laughs> over the fact that, uh, uh, you may know who it is, um, uh, over the fact that when he goes out to play rehearsal bands or you know club bands, says they're all middle-aged white guys. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, middle-aged white guys, not very many uh, POC, as, uh, as you say, and certainly not uh, nearly enough young people. Um, and I, 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 I share his frustration, even though I'm probably one of the uh, ones that would be uh, part of the problem, so to speak, and that uh, when I go out and play in the bands, I'm one of the um, middle-aged I kind of came and went, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, it's a, it is a problem. And I, I think we, if we address it, if we at least recognize it and fly at it, we can, we can fix it. Certainly you're doing it. And I think that's just you know, incredible. Just wonderful. And definitely we need to pay homage to that. Um, you play with some, you're involved with some different things. I'm looking at the Chicago metamorphosis orchestra project mm -hmm. could you tell us did you tell us and the listeners more about that please it's a nonprofit organization that caters to we go to schools um after they've already had their school day so <laughs> you get all these tired kids but they want to learn so basically we service um all all different schools around. I currently work at Mary Lyon, which is in Belmont, Cragen, um, mostly Latin community. <clears throat> like I said, 95% of the kids are um, Latino and the rest are either uh, black, Filipino, and I don't, we don't have, or Asian. Um, we don't have any white students over here. Um, <clears throat> uh, plenty Plenty of students, though, that want to learn, want to do this, and it's really yeah. phenomenal. Um, so it's basically group lessons. Uh, I teach all brass and music theory. I'm also the theory coordinator. Um, so basically we give them orchestra rehearsal times and private lessons in a group setting, and then they get theory, and then they also do chamber music um, on Fridays if you've, like, gotten to the level. So you, you can start in third grade, so pretty young, and the school only goes to eighth grade. So as you progress through the program, you can slowly get yourself into a chamber group or start doing solo stuff and stuff like that. Um yeah, it's, it's a great program. Um, it's totally free for them uh, at Mary Lyon. Wow. And yeah, it's just great. It's just a lot of teachers just wanting them to know that we can get you where you need to be and we can get you to summer programs. We can get you into like high schools, right? Like music, like shy arts or something like that. If you stick with the program and are willing to work for it. Um, cause it's gonna be like that the rest of your life, <laughs> basically. Yeah, um, yeah especially because the neighborhood that we're working with, it's like that you're not going to have the money to go to every school that you want. So if you can be really great and shine, you can definitely get some great, you know, being as real as possible with these kids, of course, like they're still young. Um, but, you know, some of them are already finding their way in the world when <clears throat> they're auditioning for high schools and they're like, Hey, like, there, there was no female teachers over there, Miss Elena. And I was like, yeah, that, that's okay. You, you'll be fine. Like, oh, 
but oh okay like very confused <laughs> you know it's like yeah it's gonna be way different when you get out there this program is very special in the fact that the teachers uh represent a multitude of things pocs women um men white men like all all you can get, but um, yeah, yeah. they're going to have to know it's going to get a little filtered out when it gets more specific. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun program. I do a lot for it. <laughs> I'm um, the music administrator, the theory coordinator um, and wow. teacher. So it, it's just really fun. And yeah, it's just a really fun program. And we service a lot of kids during the year and a summer program. So it's just really good to see because I didn't have that when I was a kid. I didn't have something yeah. like that. So it's always just nice to let them know like I come for you from where you are and you can be here if you want it, you know, no pressure, but this can just be a fun time or you can make it into something really serious. How, how do the um, students or uh get involved is it done through the school or the parents reach out to you is there a website that they go to or there they... is a website but actually so at the schools that we service at the beginning of the year so probably like a month after they start to, to get them settled into school we'll go to recruitment classrooms so we'll start again like um like a whole bunch of third and fourth grade classrooms and we'll show them the instruments and we'll play every instrument for them and introduce ourselves so like hey like i'm this teacher blah blah, blah if you want to work with me yada, 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 I teach all these instruments and uh -huh. then they come sign up on a day and then we interview them and a guardian and then we give them instrument contracts and then they just start coming. Um, it's a five day a week program and every day is different. It's either you get a lesson or you're in rehearsal or you get theory or you get chamber music and then, yeah, that's their week. And so they have to want to show up. We're, and usually they do. We, um, we always get a lot of kids at the beginning of the year and yeah, we're just getting, we're growing and growing, getting more and more. Um, so that's how they get involved. Um, they just have to want it <laughs> and they can come. I don't know if these, do, they, do these schools have music departments anymore? Um, uh, yeah, they do. Um, they're very small though. And general, they don't necessarily have all the instruments we have access to. Uh -huh. And, um, it'll mostly be through singing or clapping or a okay. drum, um, you know, some, a snare or drum or something. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, or they'll have like a mariachi group or something, which will provide some sort of instruments, uh, which kind of helps me cause, um, the music teacher that's at the Mary Lyon has a whole bunch of P-bones, which is very nice. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> so sometimes when our instrument is, uh, when our instruments are in the shop, uh, I'll ask her for a P-bone, which is very nice. Um, but she doesn't get as much time with them as I do. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's hard to teach trombone to, you know, I have like eight kids and, you know, she has like 70 something. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very hard to do that. Um, but yeah, there is music. We do go to schools that have music school, uh, music part of it. We just get more in depth and very specific because we are specifically an orchestra program. So we don't offer like saxophone, say, okay. uh, but it's just a way for them to for sure get a private, like some sort of lessons um, instead of just going to school and like getting an hour of just like oral, you know, or solfege or something. Okay, so if I were a music, a music department chairman at a school, and I wanted to become uh, get your get your organization to come out and work with my kids, I would just go look up Chicago Metamorphosis Orchestra Project. And yeah. Reach out to you. 
Yeah, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to um, Thomas Medea, who is the founder of Chicago Metamorphosis Orchestra Project. Or you can even reach out to um, our program manager, Dahlia Chin. All of those emails are on our website. And we would love to be serviced at other schools. Um, It would just give us a more range of students to work with. And we would love to have any chance we can. We're at this school and we're, we're at Hamilton and we were at Hibbard for a while, little while. And now we're at a school, Decatur, which is on Rogers Park. So yeah. we're, we're all over the place. Another thing that I saw your involvement with, and I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, is a jet oil, a jet oil, J- oh, yeah. how do you um, say that? Jetage. It's um, basically a chamber outreach program. Um, We've been doing it for the last two years. Um, The first year it was us um, basically just trying to service neighborhoods that don't normally get instrumental music, if that makes sense. Um, Because a lot of the times it was playing stuff and then the audiences like having really good reactions like, oh, I don't even know what instrument you're playing. And what was that piece? That was very cool. And, you know, just like to open instrumental music audiences, because sometimes, like we were saying, like not even just the player pool, but the audience pool are like the same group of people. So just getting more people to know that like, you don't just have to play classical music if you're playing an instrument Um, and just doing a wide range of contemporary or jazz or Latin or classical music for audiences. So the first year was with them, it was like that. And then this past year, um, it was more about doing our live streams so then we can interact with people online and get feedback about what they liked about our pieces, what they wanted to hear more, and just having an overall theme for each live stream. And they would have panel discussions in between each piece. So we would play a piece and we'd talk about it and why it's important in our world or why someone commenting liked it or disliked it and why. Um, so just trying to get conversations going about instrumental music um, that aren't just like, I'm sitting at CSO and I'm reading the program notes and that's all the information I'm going to get, you know? Um, yeah, so, yeah. And then that was our next step. And then hopefully for our next, and that season's still going. I think I believe, believe our next live stream is going to be in May, May 23rd or something. Um, and then the season will be over and then we'll start a new season to try to go out to places again. Um, so going in between the live stream and going to communities is what that outreach is about. And just having more of a discussion based concert than a sit clap, 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 sit clap, clap, clap type thing. Well, I like that. Yeah. Cause you can, I sort of feel like in a lot of ways you can really reach out to an audience better. Of course. Yeah. You know, you're bringing them and bringing them on board with, with the whole project. Uh, you know, as I'm as we're talking here, these questions are popping into my head. Um, mm-hmm. You do a lot of classical kind of playing or ensemble playing. Uh, do you do jazz? Do you improvise? You know, I'm not the best improviser. I recently started writing for myself and realizing that I can't get in my head about. Um, who I play with in the jazz field because, uh, you know, I'm mainly a bass trombone. So when when I go play in a big band or something, it's like, I'm just going to rock this part and I'm rarely going to get even changes on my music. So I don't worry about it. Um, 
but that's starting to change. Um, just getting myself out of um, an uncomfortable feeling about improvising and writing for myself and stuff like that. I would love to play more jazz. Um, it's oh. just, that's just where my connections come from just cause I did study classical music uh -huh. Uh -huh. and I was playing in, um, big bands at Lawrence and at, um, uh, my master's program at UWM and, you know, slowly getting, uh, more jazz case. I would love more. It's really fun. It's way different, obviously than classical. Yeah. Um, just like an overall different environment. Um, but yeah, still stepping my toe in the water, meeting people like we, <laughs> we were talking about. I just have to go and go talk to people and show my face like you. Like I, I showed up at <laughs> your rehearsal yeah. um, from word of mouth, right? And we were in that conversation and just getting to know more people. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I'm looking forward to getting more going with that organization, but I got to get the funding together. Of course. Uh, with, yeah, interesting, interesting challenge. It's a uh, uh, fascinating that Chicago Metamorphosis Orchestra Project is a non-for-profit. Is 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 Jataj also a non-for-profit? You may have said that. Um, we are a non-profit currently. Okay. Uh, we don't have a 501c yet, just because we don't make that much money. Um, but slowly in the works of like other organizations working with like unsupervised, you know, uh -huh. realizing over the past couple years how much money it takes to fund ourselves, um, yeah. and how much. Uh, we're giving back to audiences like oh maybe we should start filing but for a 501c but I still think we're a little small but you know we're trying to be a really big group and like I said we're still baby it's like two or three years old um, so we're still writing grants getting things done um, but yeah like I said we're just <laughs> a whole bunch of smart millennials just trying to figure out <laughs> how to make our that's, own um, that's great and I think I think people you know particularly you know, college students listening to this this is a chance for them to pick up ideas from you. So this is this is just a treasure trove here. Um, you're working on a CD on a CD, are you now? Yeah, I am actually still oh, mixing some tunes. Oh. Um, so it's basically a it's chamber um, CD. It's okay. not quite a solo CD. And basically, when I so I'm relatively new to Chicago, not to the Midwest. Been here for about four years now I believe and throughout living here and making connections of just had a plethora a plethora of conversations with people about where they think the Chicago music scene should go and uh -huh. you, you, as you know you have a perspective about it too um, but you know depending on what genre and who you're talking to you know someone's gonna have something to say about the contemporary side someone's gonna have something to say about the latin gigs and uh -huh. the jazz gigs the classical field so basically that's what the cd is going to represent um, every tune is in a different genre um, so i'll have like um, a trombone trio that's like a jazz um indie rock vibe i have a cello and a trombone duets which are in that same vibe it's by the same composer um christopher mischblockstorf he wrote um the trombone trio for me a couple years ago wow. and then he wrote those cello and um trombone duets when he was living in new york and i recorded them 
And then I did some Latin tunes with me and my partner. She plays violin. Um, so it's like five huapangos, and it's basically five um, Mexican dances that you can um, hear throughout, like, the West Coast of Mexico. And then um, there's two contemporary tunes with me and a flautist named Jill DeGroot. Um, we met doing um, some contemporary concerts um, with noise bias and just with ourselves, which is an all-female contemporary um, collective. And so we recorded some tunes that are more along the lines of sound and texture and how we interact with each other. Um, so it's always different. So uh, contemporary improvisation of sorts. Um, and there's one tune. So those are all the tunes that are recorded and are currently being mixed. I have one more tune. Um, and it was written for me about 2016. It's for percussion, for percussion and trombone. I'm still looking for that right percussionist to get it uh, recorded with me. It's kind of like a big endeavor because it has some spoken word in it, um, but it also has like some jazz and contemporary influences. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's just a, a basically about how, you know, the, everyone's like, what's the Chicago scene like? What's the Chicago scene like? It's everything. It's contemporary. It's Latin. It's like, you know, there's 78 or 72 different neighborhoods. There's going to be like that many scenes <laughs> in Chicago. Um, so it's just a really wide range of tunes. And I'm really excited for people to listen to it. And it's going to be very um, eclectic. And yeah, just slowly getting those mixes done. And I don't, I don't know. I can't give you a release date. <laughs> but oh, that's okay. That'd be nice within, I don't know, the next year or so. <laughs> how would how would people um go about finding it? Um when you do get ready to release it. The the long term goal is to have it for free because I want people to just listen to it and yeah. they can donate okay. money to me if they want because it was basically out of pocket so that's already been done if i can get some money out of it cool um it's just been a, you know a long time coming for me to actually have tunes that really represent my plane and how i want people to see how i work um yeah. so that's that's just for people to be for free and it'd be nice um the concept will be like a release show that you can get at least f some free tunes out of it. And then if you come to the release show, you'll get a card from me with a link um, that you can get more free show. You know what I mean? Like pay for a sure. ticket to come see me play. And then I'll give you a card. And when you, once you come in the door that will release the rest of the tracks for you over the constellation or something like that. Gotcha. Uh, while I encourage newer musicians to pursue their dreams, how would you advise them to do this wisely this day and age, is there any specific nugget of advice you would want to close with if a younger musician, uh, particularly any, a young musician who qualified as a POC or um, uh, a, a female in the, getting into a business that has a slight propensity for being uh, male-dominated? Um, your thoughts to close it out here today. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I would say you said um, how would you advise like how to go about yeah. your career wisely i would say don't be wise about it i would say just go for the jugular just wow. i okay. would say just go strike for it i feel like um a lot of the things that i'm doing you just have to find who you want to work with and who your allies are and who 
sees the music scene in a similar way as you do and just go for it um say yes say yes to everything say yes until it gets like ridiculously overwhelming as long as you say yes you'll constantly be moving and developing new ideas and I feel like that's just where I've come to be I don't say no (laughs) and saying I know it's a silly motto um but it, it works and, um, you know, you won't get any reward if there aren't any risks. Don't hold yourself back. It's just go for it, I think. Oh, thank you so much for doing this. Um, again, I do feel like I've been talking to the voice of the future uh, for uh, music and particularly music around Chicago. Uh, I'm so grateful to uh, uh, have a chance to chat with you today. And I'm really looking forward to a chance to having you play on some gigs. And, uh, you know, we're both working. So we'll make sure that um, we get some, uh, you know, get people to reach out to you for your uh, bass uh, trombone skills as well. So uh, I want to thank you so much for doing this today. Uh, have a great day, and we'll look forward to working with you again. All right. Thank you, Nick. I want to thank Alana Grijalva for sharing her outlook as one who was part of the future of music. I found the conversation inspiring and enlightening. I expect any new listeners who are just getting into music seriously learned a great deal here. If you enjoyed the show, please give a good rating. I can use the support. As always, we're looking for sponsors, so if you own a music store or want to promote your organization to our listeners, please reach out to me via my website, www.nickdrawsdoff.com. That's www.nickdrawsdoff.com. If you want to know more about the Chicago Metamorphosis Orchestra Project, be sure to visit their website. This is going to be spelled a little funny. That's https colon slash slash chimop.org. That's C-H-I-M-O-P dot org. If you want to know more about Jatage Music, just visit their website, www.jetagemusic.org. That's spelled www.jetojmusic.org. If you want to reach Alana, she is heavily involved with both organizations, and you can reach out to her via those websites. She's also on Facebook. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Till the next episode, this is Studio Man, Nick Rosno, saying, Don't stop the music. Peace. Peace.